message today is uh, what future do you desire? I read uh, just a few moments ago where an individual as a baby was placed at a trash dumpster. And when the city employees came to dump the trash, the baby was there alongside the dumpster. They rescued. That was uh, 33 years ago. That baby today now is the CEO of a company with sales that exceed $70 million a year. You got to ask yourself the question, that mother apparently did not see the potential of that baby. But I don't think that mother was focused on the potential of the child, possibly focused on why she would not be able to raise the baby under her present circumstances, probably believing he was a mistake, possibly believing, well, I just can't do this. But someone came along and found the child placed it in a proper home, got a proper education, and that child, as I indicated, has become a dynamic success. Let me encourage you to always remember that you and I did not become redeemed because we were worth it. The enemy had thrown us to the side of the road, to the ditch, and would have sworn that we had no potential whatsoever But there was one whose name is Jesus who looked and said, hey, I created you in my image. I found you. And when you and I accepted him as Lord and Savior, we became the redeemed of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. How many are happy about your relationship with Jesus? Put your hands together. Give the Lord a clap offering. I've had many experiences. I preached about most of them uh, here from uh, Victory Church going on 31 years and uh, circumstances that didn't go my way. And uh, many people allow the circumstances of their lives to rule them. All of us can look back and say, buddy, I got hit with a right hook. You got hit with a divorce. Uh, you got hit with financial challenge. You got hit with, with some disease or sickness, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And many people allow what happened to them a number of years ago or maybe yesterday to rule their life. But listen carefully, friend. God never intended ever for our circumstances to rule us, but rather for us to rule in our difficult places. That God anoints us. You see, we don't get to a place by accident. The Bible says the footsteps of a righteous person are, in fact, ordered of the Lord, guided by the Holy Spirit. We know that in the difficult places that God says, okay, in you is the power of the person of Jesus Christ. You can rule in that circumstance. Many allowed, of course, a fiery trial to mold them, but not mold them for good. That fiery trial molded them into bitterness, molded them into paranoia, molded them to be resentful, molded them to be sarcastic, and they become a pile of useless flesh that no one desires to fellowship with because all you're going to hear is what they've been through. All you're going to hear is the difficulty that took place. All you're ever going to hear 
is down and out, you're never going to hear any hope. Here's what I know, that a person's view of life is a reflection of their attitude. What do you believe? How do you allow life to affect you? I said to someone the other day in a counseling situation, life is not fair. If you're looking for a bed of roses in life, if you're looking to ever get to the place where you feel like that you've got the advantage, I want you to know (coughs) there are very few places that you're going to find that luxury because one day life will be good to you and the next day, day you'll be batted around. And I want you to know that God says, but in all situations and every circumstance, I'm going to be with you. I called my good friend's wife, Jelly Valamod, and talked with them last week. And the daughter, Danielle, how are you guys doing? And they said, well, we're making it. Said, we wouldn't say they're good days and bad days, but they're good moments and they're bad moments. But they said, here's what we were taught. We were taught, hey, make the best of what happens to you. Because if you stay true to God, circumstances will change. The greatest creation feels in life are found in our heart. God says, I can make your heart pure and clean, can be found in your spirit, not down and out, not discouraging, but lifted up, can be found in your mind. All happen to be God's creation. It's what we call humanity. We can line up to the microphone and say, tell us your story. Tell us what it is that impacted your life. And I want to give you three simple points, and I'm going to ask you to stay with me for a few more minutes. Number one, dress for success. Say that with me, dress for success. At the funeral, Randy Vellamont, my friend, had, he has three daughters. Jordan is the oldest. Danielle uh, is, uh, is the middle girl and involved in ministry, of course, and Elena is the youngest one. But I I looked at Danielle and I looked at Elena and then there was a gal that I didn't recognize and it was Jordan. Jordan, of course, because my friend was Iranian, all three of the girls have jet black dark hair and, and dark complected. They didn't take it from their mother. But I saw Jordan, I thought it must be Jordan. I I was inquisitive, and I said, is that Jordan? Because Jordan at one time was was just a little, uh, a plus size. How is that? Isn't that a good way to put it? A plus size. I said, what, is that Jordan? Yeah, but she's lost 65 pounds. Really? You see, Jordan had gone through when she was engaged to be married, her her fiancé was found dead upstairs in her mom and dad's house when he came to visit several months before they were to get married. She walked up, and there her fiancé that she would marry was dead. And then, of course, uh, she remarried uh, two or three, four years later and had a, a baby daughter, Jaylee, and Jaylee was the grand granddaughter of my friend Randy and Jelly. And, and so... Uh, Jaylee's dad decided he wanted to leave and just see you later. I don't want to be married. I don't want to be attached. What about the daughter? I don't care. He hadn't seen Jaylee in months and months and months. He really doesn't doesn't really care. Jordan had to, in fact, overcome those. But there came a moment probably a year or more ago. A year or more ago, she heard her dad say, Hey, Jordan, if you're going to catch a millionaire, and he's laughing, if you're going to catch a millionaire, you've got to look like a million dollars. 
She said, I took that to heart. I began to get my heart, my mind, and my spirit in line, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I dropped 65 pounds. She said, I dress really, really nice. Of course, you know what, ladies? You can look really, really nice, and it doesn't have to be expensive. Did you know that? Y'all know it? How many have been to Marshall's lately? Sure. Nothing wrong with Marshall's. How about pay less shoes? May I see your hand? How about this? I went down to the Salvation Army a while back and saw some of my own suits on sale. I thought, well, I think I'll buy those babies back. But the point is she made that determination to dress for success. Now, here's our text in Genesis 37. It's uh, talking about Joseph. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother? Talking about Joseph. Cover up his blood. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So try this thought on, if you don't mind, what happens to you is not nearly as important, and I've shared this statement as what happens in you. Joseph's life is a testimony that we can all learn from and say, buddy, hey, tough things happened to him, but he did not let it rock his world. Our story, he's 17 years of age. It's found in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. Young man of 17, chosen by God. God spoke to him. He was resented and hated by his brothers, sold to the traveling Ishmaelites. He was a man that became a slave. And it was like that his life seemed to be over before it ever started. What did I do to deserve finding myself as a slave? Satan, through those difficult circumstances, was endeavoring to destroy Joseph's life seemingly before he was ever able to make his mark ever. And you know what? Here's what I know. The devil monitors your success. He monitors your blessing. He monitors the favor that God gives to you. And here's what I know. At a very opportune moment for the power of darkness, Satan will often attack you sometimes when you have reached a pinnacle and say, look what the Lord has done. And along comes the devil and create circumstances that can turn you bitter. Or you reach that place in your life, those of you that are a little older and say, boy, I should be on easy, easy street right now. I ought to be able to enjoy my health. I ought to have a little money put back in retirement. I ought to be feeling good. I ought to have a house paid for. But look at the mess that I'm in now, God. What happened to me? And you don't see any end in sight. You begin to look at those things that you don't have as opposed to the potential of the future that you do have. Satan made those circumstances. He tried to destroy Joseph's self-respect. Well, I lose respect for myself. You're in big trouble. He tried to destroy hope for the future. And when you are no hope, you are hopeless. Why do you get up and go to work? Why even try? Why try to make a difference? Why, why try to impact? Why try to do better? Why try to better myself? Why should I do that? There just is no hope. The bottom line is everything is stacked against me, and I will never be able to enjoy the freedom of the favor of God. 
He tried to destroy his personal character. Character is that person in you that says, hey, I'm going to stand strong in God. He was endeavoring to destroy his emotional foundation. And when the enemy can try to get you to destroy an emotional foundation, what is that? You see, it's good to have emotion. Somebody say amen. Let me show you the difference. Emotion works in a marriage, for example, with a couple. Hey, I love you. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, you don't say it often, and when you do say it, it sounds like you're not happy about it. Well, I said it, didn't I? I love you. That's with no feeling or no emotion. Here's a little different. Hey, babe. I want you to know you suck the air out of the room when you walk in, and that delicious perfume, i.e. body lotion that you wear, it drives me insane. And I feel running all over me. How many of you know that emotion is good if it's used right? Y'all with me out there? Everybody with me? How many of you ladies would appreciate that once in a while? You don't have to raise your hand. How many would like for you to send your husband to my coaching school to coach? And there you go. That's what I thought. Look what the Lord has done. You see, friend, others, and I've been a victim of this, others may control what happens to you. Your employer, some family member, some spouse who kicks you to the curb, they may, for a period of time, control what happens to you, make your life miserable. But listen, only you control what happens in you. Now, that's a Facebook post. Here it is. I'll say it again. (laughs) Others may control what happens to you, but only you control what happens in you. So how do I stand up against all this negative flow. How do I stand up against the market hitting bottom? I think God's doing pretty good now. How do you manage when someone says, I, well, I'd listen, the truth is, I just don't love you anymore. I don't. I just don't. I can't stand to be in your presence. Joseph was facing all of those circumstances, and then he ran into Potiphar's wife. You know, her name is not in the Scripture. She's just known (coughs) as Potiphar's wife. Jezebel had a real name, and so in my studies, it says that that Jezebel could be pushed to the side of the road compared to Potiphar's wife. She had everything under the sun that she needed. She had more servants and more attendants. She had a life of ease. She was bored. She was uh, drawn by sensual influence, and, and her goal was to inflict her life, her emotions upon Joseph. So Joseph walks in. He's already been through the mill. Circumstances has not been good. Potiphar's wife looks and said, well, where in the world did you come from? He said, it's not where I came from. 
it's where I'm going. Don't get in my way. Oh, but come here. I want you to know I have big plant. Do you know who I am? Potiphar's wife. I work out every day. I get toned every day. I eat oatmeal every morning. I eat fruit all the time. I have lip gloss that's so red. It looks like a host of ambulances coming down the highway when I smile. Come here. <clears throat> now I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Joseph was a servant of God and Joseph flat-footed stood there and it didn't bother Joseph at all to hear that. I'm only human. <laughs> Every person that's breathing call humanity is human. For Potiphar's wife to be able to throw her net out and to say that Joseph did not hear that or his flesh did not want to cave into that, my friend, would be wrong. But Joseph, my friend, had made his mind up not to allow anything to get in the way of his potential in God Jehovah. Not circumstance, not patronization. It says in Genesis 39.10, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day after day, he refused to go to bed with her and even be with her. Over and over and over and over again. And we hear that people often are victims of their circumstances. We know that's true, but most of the time we are victims of our choices. Our choices. So we say, I'm bitter and I've got a right to be bitter. I'm messed up and I've got a right to be messed up. I got gypped. I got, I, I got my life thrown to the side. I got pushed to the end of the line. Well, guess what? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to get bitter, resentful? But here's what Joseph did. Joseph did not talk like a loser. A loser complains constantly, is never satisfied, always blames others, blames his situation on someone else, never assumes responsibility for his difficulties, and is self-centered all the time. Had Joseph adopted that kind of lifestyle, Potiphar's wife would have an easy task of coming into his life. But instead, winners take responsibility. They spend their time resolving challenges and pursuing new responsibilities. You will never pursue a new responsibility and a new privilege and a new opportunity as long as you're trying to get over and explain what happened yesterday. Have you ever heard, it is what, what? It is. It is what it is. I said to someone the other day, 
I preach it. How do you stay in the ministry, Reverend? I'll tell you. It's not a good time job a lot of times. So what do I do? I have all kind of avenues flowing out of my head. And if I have a situation I can't deal with, if I have a situation said that's not, I just put it on one of those tracks, push the button, and I send it to oblivion and say, don't ever come back. It's gone. Amen? It's gone. You have to protect that. We understand that often, though the outside for Joseph was dismal, inside, what was he doing? He was dressing for success. He said, I'm dressing, though it's dismal of what I've gone through, I'm dressing for the person that I desire to be. And to do that, you have to think beyond the present. So that's what I want to encourage you to Genesis 41. 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And when Joseph made the choice to be strong inside, his actions began to reflect his decision. They did. I'm no longer going to be the person that I live in guilt. I'm not going to be the person to live in condemnation. I'm not going to be the person to believe that every time I get shortchanged. I'm not going to be the kind of person that has to put up with this. You see, here's what he did. He began to think beyond the present, and he chose to forgive his brothers. He looked beyond bitterness. He looked beyond resentment. He looked beyond past environmental influences in his life, and he simply became a servant, and he built on the future and not on the past. So Joseph decided to be ruled by what he wanted to become instead of his personal situation at the present. Loving and honoring God he could have looked in the mirror. He would have seen a rejected brother. If he looked in the mirror, he would have seen a defeated person. He could have looked and seen a homesick son. Now he could look and see, hey, I'm an ex-con now. He could look and say, I'm a homeless person in a foreign country here in Egypt. Or he could remember God's word to him. Joseph, don't forget this. One day... You will rule. He dressed toward one day, I'm going to rule. He didn't dress toward the bitterness and the anger and the homesickness. Number three, change in your life and your circumstances will happen for the best. Amen. Change for the best will happen. Change for the best will happen. Say that with me. Change for the best will happen. Say it again. Change for the best will happen. It will. Change for the best will happen. In Genesis 50, verse 20, his brothers are gathered around him. They've determined who he is. And he said to them, you intended to harm me, but God, say that with me, but God, say it again, but God, you intended to hurt me, 
You intended to kill me. You intended to damage me. You intended to mar me. You intended to take away my testimony. You intended to take away my joy. You intended to take away my health. You intended to take away my emotional stability. But God. But God. But God intended it for good. To do what? To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You boys followed one track, and that was about yourself and the self-centeredness and bitterness and resentment because you were jealous of me. But I remember the dream that I had that he showed me that one day I would rule and reign. And I never forgot that. You see, you can, by the grace of God, change the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you behave, change the way that you respond to life in general. Everybody's got a testimony of something difficult. Joseph did not give up on the inside and the outside circumstance eventually changed. Change will take place in you, then change will take place for you, and success will be the result. If I live toward that favor with Almighty God, Joseph said God had a better plan than you did. And he said, I never forgot that. Each of us in this room must remember that God wants the very best for us. So you may be here this morning, you say, buddy, I'm going through it big time right now. I, I, can't, see, I can't see the end in the tunnel. I, I, I'm just waiting for the next foot to fall that, that's going to demand money that I don't have. I, I'm just waiting for the next phone call to bring bad news. I'm just waiting for something to happen that would take the last glimmer of hope out of my life. I'm just waiting on that. My friend, don't do that. You know, so we know that in the inevitable ultimately happens. But if you train yourself to only look at the negative, what could happen in a negative way, you will never see what God desires to happen in your future. It will go right by you and you won't even see it. It'll move right by you, and you won't even see it. James 2, verse 5, listen now, it's on the screen. Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the worlds down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. Amen. Do you know who, who we were? We were the down and outers. Amen. And along came the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that somebody planted a seed in our life and we by faith took advantage of that seed and now we are the redeemed, the righteous of, of Almighty God. We are the King's kids. Aren't you glad that God said you matter? You matter. So the beautiful part about that, and understand and see, 
Joseph went from a pit to a slave's room, then to a jail, then to servants' quarters, then to death row, then to officers' quarters. So you see, he went to a pit and then a slave's room. That's a step up. Then he went to jail. That's a step down. Then he went to step or servants' quarters. That's a step up. Then he went to death row. That's a way step down. Then he went to the officers' quarters. How did he get there? God said, I got a plan. I will anoint you and give you wisdom so that you will be able to interpret. Then he went to the ruler's throne. And then he sat back and watched the very brothers whose desire was to harm him, get rid of him, trash him, come in and kneel down and beg for mercy. Your enemies, the bad situations in your life, one day will bow down at your testimony of look what the Lord has done. Amen. The greatest battle to conquer in the field of battle is where we live. And once that's conquered, we then can bless others. We know. So the reason that God blessed Joseph, Joseph was faithful. He said, I'm going to bless. He said, so don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. In other words, he said, hey, brothers, not only am I going to give you food, I'm going to give food to my father. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to give food to our entire nation, the Israelites. Why? Because God chose a place for me to be, and I didn't give in to the difficult times. I stayed true to my testimony in Christ Jesus. And as a result, he was able to give gifts of favor to everyone else. So I want to encourage you, dress for success. Amen. Get the inside ready for the touch of God. Think beyond your present. Think beyond the sickness, the reverse. Think beyond the disappointment that's temporary. And then remember this, change will happen for the best for you. Amen? Amen. Put your hands together and let's give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for all that you've given to us. I thank you because I know that there are those listening online right now that you're encouraging them and you're strengthening them and you're ministering to their need. And there are those in this room right now, Father God, who, who just needed to hear an encouraging word. They just needed to be reminded that, Father God, if they maintain faithfulness, that the joy of the harvest will be theirs. And God, right now, they might feel like that they're the ones having to do all the receiving and they're not privileged to be able to do the giving. But one day soon in their life, circumstances are going to dramatically change. And all that they have received, they're going to sit on a throne and be able to give.
because you knew God that was their heart the whole time it will happen there may be those of you in this room right now whose heart is not in tune with God maybe you just know that you've sinned and you've made mistakes and some of you online you're just not in touch but I want you to know we're going to pray this sinner's prayer. And I'm going to ask everyone in the room to repeat it, repeat it with me as we pray it. And let's believe God together. Can we do that? Repeat it now. Our Heavenly Father, Our Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I believe you died for me. I confess my sins. I confess my sins. I've made mistakes. I've, made mistakes. I've, misbehaved. I've misbehaved. And I've done wrong. I've done wrong. But, today, but today, I'm asking you, I'm asking you with, a heart of humility, with a heart of humility, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And I believe, by faith I believe by faith that I am now forgiven. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together. Let's thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How wonderful. You may need prayer. Our altar workers are here. You may have prayed that prayer and you thought, well, I need to make a public statement just to come down and say, God, I'm sorry. And then you might... Um, you might say, I'm, I'm not well. I'm emotionally, I'm hurting. Or physically, I'm hurting. Or, Pastor, you talked about another shoe getting ready to fall. There's one that unless God intervenes, it's going to fall. And I really need God to help me through it. I'd really like for the shoe not to fall, but if it does, I want to know that I have the security and confidence in my heart to go through it. And I want to give God praise. Whatever your need is, as God speaks to you, I'll give the benediction in a moment. So stay with me and ask you to come and say, here I am, God. Touch me and anoint me. We'll wait on you just for a moment. Come, please.
Father, we're standing in your holy presence. There's healing. There's redemption. There's the power of your anointing of the Spirit. Now, I have a decision to make as a follower and as a person. I can either receive what I heard, and I can begin to make the adjustments through the power of your help, the Holy Spirit, or I can reject it. I can shrug it off and say it did not pertain to me. But no person has the ability to deny the power of the truth of God's Word. I pray in your name that it will go with us today, that we'll think about it, we'll pray about it, and let it do a work in us as we stand on your Word together. For it is not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. Now we pray for the service tonight. We're going to be praying for the sick. We're going to be praying for those that are financially broke. We're going to pray for those emotionally torn. We're going to pray for those who relationally, they're having a challenge. We're going to pray for those with broken dreams. That looks like now all there is is a nightmare, but tonight... You're going to anoint. So we stand on your word and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd love to see some of you in the hospitality suite off the lobby. Don't forget, sign up, bake your cake, do your jello, whatever it is you do. Love you, everybody. God bless.